Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and I am here with my friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. Max, what's going on? Uh, hanging out, man, with my boys. Yeah. We're also here with our friend and pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Shane, what's up? Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's my intro, but I have a gift for you. You have a gift for me? Yes. It was your birthday. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. I went to, I think, one of your favorite places, if not... The favorite place. I, I, I recently had a birthday uh, on October 9th, uh, same day as John Lennon and Sean Lennon, little known fact. Ooh, weird. Uh, yeah, I think Yoko and Deuce to get them on yeah. the same day. Uh, but anyway, I share that birthday, so it was the 9th. I am a Libra. And Shane, this is really nice. You're springing things on the pod. You save mm-hmm. everything for the pod. Boom! Ah! <laughs> this is hilarious. Uh, explain what it is. It is uh, gift certificates to the ballroom, which is a watering hole around the corner from uh, Much Music mm-hmm. 299 Queen Street West. That's- you know, for, for the Hamilton guys, we look to the people that have lived in Toronto for recommendations. Uh, you know, if we want to go out and watch the game, go to a bar, whatever. And inevitably, you know, Mike will be asked, hey, where should we go? And he says, well, we could go to the ballroom as if it's like this <laughs> new idea. But he's been saying it with this like level of intrigue in his voice for like the last like 10 years. <laughs> we could go to the ball. Did you know that there's drink specials between four and seven? And like everyone was like, yes, we know, Mike. You said we this- always end up. There. <laughs> we always you go to the you can get a four dollar yeah. vodka between four and seven. Who doesn't want to go to the ballroom? So you know? it's kind of like the big joke. Yeah, like, we're, we may go to these other options. But the reason there's two cards there is. Apparently, no one's ever really gotten a ballroom gift certificate before. <laughs> I've never seen these. This is so hilarious. No one knew they existed. I'm like, come on. They got to exist. They got this uh, manager who I'd never seen before. And she's bumbling with it. And I said the amount. And they kind of misheard me, screwed it up. So that's why I got two cards. I never buy presents for anybody. Now I make me feel bad, Shane. But I, but I wish I was that kind of person that sprung mm-hmm. gifts on people. Shane's actually a pretty thoughtful uh, gift buyer. You're actually mm-hmm. really thoughtful in general. Like, you go all out. I'm not, like, I'm not so good with that stuff. Uh, you hear this? Pod reviewers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> He's a gentleman. That's gentleman that. behavior. Yeah, I remember for my 30th birthday, you, um, you, what did you get me? You got me 30 types of liquor. Yeah, and we uh, masking taped them all together, like strapped it all together. So it was like, there was like girls night out, sibling rivalry, like Coors Light. Like it was just 30 different types of alcohol. And me and you and my brother Greg uh, sat at that apartment that they were living at at the time with Sean Dossett. And we just drank it all. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun (laughs) night. That was a great night. It was the best night. Yeah, it was a thoughtful gift. Oh, man. Yeah. Would you get him just nothing? Nothing. I don't get anybody anything. No, right. he did text me the day before my birthday to go, happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, everyone's throwing you through you kind of a surprise party, and I was left out of that, so I was like, fuck. Okay, know? so the thing is, I never have been a birthday celebrator. Like, I, like, you'd have to go back to, like, I don't know, maybe, like, my 14th birthday to, like, for me to have a party for my birthday or whatever. It's, like, usually like that. Like, just a couple mm-hmm. guys get together and drink. Uh, and our good friend Dan uh, messaged me out of nowhere, and he's like, what are we doing for the weekend? And I was like, nothing. Like, I don't know. But I guess he had had an Airbnb in the city. I feel like Dan had ulterior things. Oh, well, which I, which I can want to talk about. Yeah. And then he rolls that into like a, let's have drinks for your birthday. Uh, yeah. But then I get a text from Shane, who's head of the cottage. He's like, are you having a birthday party? Yeah. Dan can sniff out any occasion to, to have a night out. So it's like if, if someone's birthday or the day before their birthday or their birth week, you yeah. know, like, ah, I could go out and have it. And you know, the Leafs are good. The Raptors are about to start. But He's- you have n- secret knowledge that this definitely was an ulterior motive, right? Yeah, right. which I kind of want to talk about. <laughs> Let's get to it. So, And uh, Shane, you would not be left out of birthday drinks when it yeah. comes to me. Well, I, I would hope not because I had an option to go out that night. I, w- I could have either gone to the cottage on Friday yeah. afternoon or gone Saturday morning. I would have gone Saturday morning. Just... For Dan and Greg or whoever set this up. Blame it on Dan. So let's hear about Dan's ulterior motives. So uh, a few weeks ago, I was uh, driving up to Muskoka for my friend Dave Friesen's wedding. I couldn't go to the wedding, but I was there the day before, like the the pre-dinner thing. And we stop at Burger's Priest in Barrie, north of the city. We're with our friend Jocelyn. So it's Dan, Jossie, and I. And we're ordering our burgers. And then behind us in line, these two girls walk in both sort of young and pretty but one is especially striking Mm. and i'm in a relationship you know there's nothing going on for me but i say to dan who's single i said dan you gotta talk to her talk to her talk to her talk and when i'm in a on a car trip with dan i'm very giddy like you know because we get all you know we'll buy candy and we're drinking monster energy drinks and we're just like really happy to be around each other jossie's Really good friend. Happy to see her. We're yapping the whole way up. So I'm just like super hyper. It's like one in the afternoon. And uh, so Dan's like, ah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Because Dan, Dan's like nervous. And Dan's usually pretty good at talking to girls. But 
keep in mind, it's like 1 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. So I said, Dan, I got the perfect plan. I've never, th- I don't know where this idea came from. It just came off the top of my head. I said, we're going to buy her an ice cream sandwich because Burgers Priest has awesome ice cream sandwiches and you're going to deliver it to her and you're just going to say, hey, dessert's on me. No, no. I said, Dan, you're going to say, I normally don't do this, but I'm feeling really romantic because I'm going to a wedding this weekend. Enjoy this ice cream sandwich. And you're going to write your name on a receipt and then give it to her. And then we're just going to walk out. That's one of the best ideas I've ever heard, by the way. Pretty good, right? Yeah, it's amazing. So then Dan does exactly that, but he kind of stumbles over his words. And he's like, uh, he, and he's like, hey, here's the ice cream sandwich. His hands are getting he's cold. Like, Eat this dessert off me. <laughs> what? <laughs> Creep. And so he, he kind of like throws it on the table, walks away. And then he like realized he didn't even say like his name or introduce or find out their names or anything like that. So he walks back immediately, like five seconds later. He's like, I'm Dan. And then the girl's like, I'm Emma. I'm Sarah. And so we're like, cool. Anyway, so we leave. Dan had a cool rental car. So like just leaving the Burgers Priest, the optics I thought were good because Dan looked good that day. He's Jossie's like a really nice, normal looking person. I'm a normal looking person. Yeah, because, you know, you sort of judge the the crowd, the person's hanging out with. I'm like, Dan, for sure, we're going to get a 705 text uh, tonight because Barry is a 705 area code. So nothing happens on the Friday night, but on the Saturday, Dan went uh, swimming in the pool with his cell phone in his pocket. So his cell phone was out of commission. But then he checked his computer, which is connected to his iMessage, and he gets a text from a 647 number saying, so I'm feeling a little romantic too. What's going on? How's the wedding? So then it's all very exciting. Fast forward to this Friday, and uh, they've exchanged a few text messages, and it's revealed that these girls are hanging out on Queen Street East. And Mike and So Greg, during Mike's birthday party. Yeah, during this Mike's, is yeah. Right. So yeah. when we talk about ulterior motives, there is something else cooking. Now, the thing which is awesome is that this girl doesn't really text much, but her friends have all added Dan to Instagram, like immediately. And then Dan realized that one of them added him because he kind of figured out who was who, like the day they met. So clearly these girls are talking as much as we're talking, which makes us very happy to know that there's this like champagne girls group <laughs> happening over there. Clearly screenshotting every message that they're sending to well, each other. Well, the same thing was going on because uh, Dan's texts were being ghostwritten by Mike. Well, Max was the original oh, yeah. ghostwriter. I was ghostwriting. He was the original. Asked, yeah. So I was the original ghostwriter of the text. And then you were out on Friday and you were ghostwriting for him. Yeah, but I was doing jokes. And I heard that you said, uh, no, Dan, don't listen to Mike. You're trying to get a date, <laughs> not write a late night monologue. Yeah, I did say that. Because there was so much Mike-isms in there. Or just, or just like, it was like, it could have been you or Greg or Shane. Just like clearly, just like being really quick. And- well, this one specifically, the girl's like, what are you up to tonight? And Dan's like, oh, what should I write? He's like, Max isn't getting back to me. You were on the road. You were yeah. He's like, Max isn't getting back to me. And I'm like, well, I mean, if I were still single back in the day, I would like write something ridiculously like altruistic. Like, well, I'm going to help some orphans learn how to read. Then I'm going to donate some blood. I would say a bunch of those things and then be like, what are you up to this weekend? And then depending on the response, they either like either match that or they like it's a good either, litmus test to see their humor. Do they yeah, get yeah. it? Do they not get it? Et cetera, et cetera. So he sends it. And then you pipe in and you're like, do not send that Don't one. Don't send that. It's like, it's too late. It's out the door. Yeah. So I, was in, I was in LA just like, no, you're ruining it. And then I'm like, it took her like 25 minutes to get back. And I'm like, oh man, I blew it for Dan. I should just <laughs> well, let Max didn't keep doing it. you become like indignant and be like, tell him this is Mike Veerman copy. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he goes, Max told me not to send it. But he said the late night show line. I'm like, you tell Max that's Mike Veerman copy <laughs> and he can kiss my ass. And copy is like an industry term that we all use. That means like solid writing, by the way. Yeah. And everyone's like, what the f*** are you just talking about? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so it, but it turns out all of her friends are, are ghostwriting her text. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's kind of like a situation where his friends and her friends are just talking to each other, and yeah, Dan yeah. and Ice Cream Sarah haven't really said much. <laughs> Who knows to one if they another. have anything in common? Yeah. No, <laughs> they're both tall. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was kind of exciting, and I thought uh, as a romantic gesture, I recommend the ice cream sandwich thing. Buy a little dessert. People, you know, send over drinks and stuff. That's cliche. Straight out of a movie, you could see like Ryan Gosling pulling that. Well, it's amazing. I, if they get married, that story is amazing for mm-hmm. their wedding. Oh, my yeah. God. You right. think you'd be his best man? I'd have to be. Yeah. Well, Greg might be mad, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I was excited about that. Oh, that's a nice little story. Yeah. Of hopeful, hopefully love. Yeah. But uh, what else is going on, guys? Well, are we, uh, 
Are we obligated to talk about Harvey Weinstein? Is that like a thing? We probably should. There's a lot going on in the news. Uh, as you mentioned, Shane, Harvey Weinstein uh, is a big movie producer, Miramax Films. You've definitely seen one of his movies uh, if you are somebody who watches films. Um, the New York Times and The New Yorker both came out with huge expose pieces uh, detailing his, uh, you know, completely inappropriate and criminal behavior and abuse of power um, with countless women. Um, or a lot of women. Anyway. For decades. For decades. Sort of a pattern of behavior that maybe a lot of people in the industry sort of were aware of vaguely or maybe not so vaguely. And no one really stepped up. And efforts to report on this over the years have been quashed by Harvey, either through uh, threatening legal action or, you know, threatening to pull his ads from certain newspapers or publications. So he's been able to sort of control his own narrative for, like Max said, decades. Uh, that is no longer the case. And it's become a massive, massive uh, media story um, that some people, you know, a lot of people are speaking out. A lot of people are caught in the crosshairs. There's a lot of victims that are really hurting and sharing their stories very bravely. And, you know, friend of the pod, Ann Donahue, um, yeah. sort of uh, went viral on Twitter because she had said, you know, share your Harvey Weinstein story, meaning like, yeah, you know, where you felt powerless in a position in a situation where maybe a man in a position of power, uh, like, like, um, an employer or somebody that has a title that's higher than yours has made you feel uncomfortable either by like through suggestion or physical touching or like based like sexual harassment or much more. And her responses were immense. It was, it was numerous. So many people shared their stories. It's like another one of those things where it's this depressing avalanche of like, shit, this is a thing. This is a thing that we knew was a thing, but it's so striking to just see it come pouring out of people and how much does this happen and how often are men in these positions taking advantage of underlings and people that really, you know, are at a disadvantage. Uh, a couple things that sort of stood out to me, and I'll preface it, what I'm about to say with, obviously this is unacceptable behavior and everybody needs, men need to do much better. Um, what, you know, Obama's daughter interned for the Weinstein Company. That's correct. Uh, this year. And so... The idea of, you know, everybody knew is sort of an interesting thing to think about because it seemed like everybody knew that, you know, he had women on the side. To the, but it's not totally clear to, like, what extent people knew that he manipulated them and— Trapping was, them in hotels. Yeah, rooms. and was criminal about it, which is sort that's of— an, That's an interesting facet. So what you're talking about now and what I found interesting about this is it's like— So in the past, what, what has happened is, like, someone like this will fall from grace, their behavior is exposed, and we all sort of, like— we kill that person, they lose everything in their life that matters to them. This is the first time I've really seen where the focus, and maybe it's because everyone around him is so prominent and famous, the focus is on who was silent, who yeah. stood by and allowed this to continue on. And to your point, I, George Clooney's statement was interesting. Where he Did you read his statement? Yeah. You know, where he said, you know, I'd always heard rumors that Harvey had slept with the women he put in his things, but I thought maybe that was just other people sort of, it was a way to, to diminish the talent of the actresses that mm -hmm. got cast. Mm -hmm. So if, if most people sort of thought, oh, okay, he's sleeping with his actresses, does that mean that they're not sort of like, I mean, I, I guess I get what you're getting at. Are you saying like the culpability of the bystanders? Uh, yeah, I'm just saying that it's, um, Obama, Michelle, like Barack and Michelle wouldn't have allowed their daughter to like work for a guy who is like a known pervert and not even pervert but like a sexually uh, a sexual assaulter is that what you sexual call predator sexual predator uh if if the rumor had been that concrete that like he went to that extent i guess what i'm saying is that in a culture where there's like where there's whispering and people have a general sense of what's going on it's like i think it's i think this situation really proves that if if someone raises a concern you especially a female you have to listen to them because if you don't listen to them then, then the truth never like won't get out for a long time. But as soon as somebody raises an issue, that's like you have to open the investigation immediately. Because a lot of people had just heard oh, rumors, 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 and it takes somebody brave to c come forward. But it seemed, but it just took a long time for that to happen. Or if it, and, or if even if it did happen twenty years ago, Weinstein was uh, that powerful that people were too afraid to do anything. I guess lastly on Harvey in this terrible situation. Do you think the the enormity of this story and how much sort of people are paying attention to it will or has changed the culture? Does the culture change? Is there a slow change? Does is this like a thing we look back on and go, oh yeah, that's the we, that changed the way that you know predatory bosses uh, and people in position of power abused that? 
Yeah, you hope so because it always feels like when women do come forward, they're like to me, they're heroes, you know, and you think that that might empower uh, other women to do that, but it's probably a lot easier said than done given the context of various people's jobs and the power dynamics within a work office. Exactly. I think so. Like we're, we're talking about it. We're definitely, uh, even I've noticed the way we joke. Sometimes we, we joke differently in ways that we both understand that we're being more careful with the way we word things that typically maybe before we wouldn't. The main reason this story is so popular is because it involves famous names, it involves actors, it involves movies we know. It's sort of like the pinnacle of pop culture. So what you would hope is that because of the dynamics of this story and why it reaches so much, the culture shift will permeate and go down towards, oh, I work in an office and my boss is lecherous. Like how, you know, and it's like, no, you can't do that because now it is so omnipresent. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, that shit no longer flies. So it's like maybe this one, because of the famous names involved, like Gwyneth Paltrow or Angelina Jolie or Ricardo Delevingne, it's like making statements saying, yes, I've had my Harvey moment with Harvey and they share. Maybe that will uh, empower people to like speak up and make these people think twice before, you know, focusing on some intern or underling or someone that basically they, you know, control their career so they feel like they can make a move romantically mm-hmm. or and hold that as leverage. Okay, so... Fellas, moving on. Yes. Today on the show, really good friend and uh, the very first podcast ever, Lights. Lightsy is back. She's back. To talk about her uh, new album and comic, uh, Skin and Earth. Yep. A lot of work because, you know, and for our listeners, full disclosure, we share a manager, uh, Ashley and Chris. Ashley sits in on this interview. Yeah. And um, so we've sort of... I've been in the know about what's been happening with this project for a long time, so I'm very excited. Is Light drawing these drawings? Oh yeah, she does everything. She does everything. The comics are wow. really good, man. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not a comic guy, and like I got the first three, I got into it. Like it's world building. She's got this whole like it's, it's great, man. That's yeah. nuts. Uh, Lights was cool. I mean, it was a funny dynamic because obviously you and Lights go way back. Mm-hmm. You guys share the manager. Ash is in the room, and so it starts with me, you, and Lights talking, and then Ash is piping in, and uh, it was kind of just like a, a really fun hang and nice to revisit with her after you know the first episode to now and uh, talk about this project, which I was uh, a huge fan of the comics. We've all grown so much. Yeah, me mostly in the torso area. <laughs> um, and just one note, we just, we're going to roll this interview. Basically, it was very conversational. Where Lights had just mentioned to us that she's flying into Vegas to do like a radio thing. So that's why we happen to be talking to Vegas when uh, this interview starts. And uh, yeah, why don't just get to it? Let's get to it. What... Uh and what it's so it's just like an acoustic yeah it's like a 20 minute acoustic set for radio station you know in there yeah well what are you doing after that do you have to come back here coming back here just in and out yeah like for the for the day and then gonna hit the pool (laughs) and then gamble do a gamble like a gamble i'll do a gamble you sound like a pro when you say (laughs) that i'm gonna go to vegas and do a gamble i will i'll try one gamble and then (laughs) um come home what's your spending limit when you're at the well okay i've gambled once yeah. came out on top by 10 bucks because i spent like five hey Ooh. doubled up i know Pretty i good. doubled up and and you know no when to hold them no when to hold them <laughs> no when to walk away is what my motto is so what's your game um slots <laughs> i mean that's all <laughs> what's your game the one where you pull the lever. Yeah. um brody told me about this this game where you just like go one for one with um a dude i guess like it's like a card and if you draw a higher card you win. I might gamble on that because, you know, you can't, you don't need skill. And I don't <laughs> you just got to get the right cards. Skill, well, yeah. the skill is knowing when to walk away. Is there skill in gambling though? I think, well, for, for sure in like stuff like poker. Right. Where there's a lot of yeah. strategy and sure. sort of trying to figure out what's been seen so far. But I found with slots in Vegas that uh, Wheel of Fortune is a huge winner. Interesting. Like I've played the Wheel of Fortune, you throw in like $20 and I've walked out of there with like 200 What? Yeah. Okay. I once, I once on my way out of Vegas, leaving the MGM to go to the airport, I yeah. just put a 20 in and I hit it and I got $100. Wheel of Fortune? Wheel of Fortune. <clears throat> Making a note of that because yeah. that will be my gamble for the trip. It's great. I always wonder how famous you have to be to get your own like slot machine. Like Ellen has her own slot Does machine. Does she? Yeah. Which is, Interesting. I was, I was kind of surprised that she'd give her uh, image to a casino. Do they need your permission? I, I imagine yeah, so. Yeah. You, you probably get paid. Yeah, maybe for every pull. Every, every pull. pull. Interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get a cent Royalties. A now, here's yeah. a question for you guys, as a prominent, uh, very uh, visible people: Would you allow yourselves to be on a 
slot machine. No. Yeah. <laughs> See, Max took a little longer to think about this. No, no, I don't think I would. One, because I'm not a gambler, and two, because we witnessed recently another band really get uh, killed for uh, partaking in a gambling endeavor. Share names. I will not. But, uh, is this public knowledge? It is public knowledge. So people could Google it? Yeah. All right, tell not, me. It wasn't like a news story, but right. it was just like in the comments it's on just Facebook. Very, it's very much like a money move. Yeah. Right. And it, there's no integrity in it necessarily. So it's just like, okay, we want money. Yeah. So that's, I mean, Ellen, you know, Centipole or yeah. whatever. That's big money. It's just like a hardcore capitalist play. Yeah. Exactly. Where's the artistry in it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so give me the name. <laughs> Broken social scene. <laughs> we'll is that which, true? Yeah, which is even a bigger shock. It is. They yeah, are, it is. The, the quintessential, like, Queen Street, f*** the man, Great hippie thing. bunch. Everybody needs money. Yeah. You it's know? true. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for everybody listening, obviously... Uh, We're going to leave all that in. All that in. We are. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Max and Lights are old friends. If people really want to know Lights, that's the kind of gold they're going to get on you this know, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Shit talking to other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's well, what you we guys, do. You guys, uh, aside from knowing each other for quite some time, you guys share uh, a manager who's sitting here. Ashley. Babe of the century. Yeah. Ashley Potovin. Yeah. Shout out. We, we mention Ash on the podcast a lot. Whenever uh, Shane wants me to do something with Frank D'Angelo, I always say <laughs> I need Ash's permission. And Ash has been working with lights since how long? What, we tw- were both 19 when we started working together. Wow. Yeah, I remember we were going for beverages. It's your 19th birthday. Yeah, it's my 19th birthday. Oh, sorry, I should be sharing this with you. Can we do this interview together? Um, <laughs> she needs a mic, actually. Well, I'll share with Ash. Yeah, we were having martinis on my 19th birthday when I first met you. I pretended I liked martinis. <laughs> <laughs> I did too, to be honest. I hated them. I, I haven't drank one since, I don't think. Good memories, starting out in the industry together. <laughs> Interesting, now the truth comes out, we both hate martinis. Yeah. I've never seen you drink one. It only took a decade. No, know, for, you guys for this to, to come out. Out of politeness, they kept drinking <laughs> yeah. them with each other. Yeah. I thought yeah. you liked martinis. <laughs> I thought you liked martinis. Yeah. I don't even know you. <laughs> um, yeah, so and now we're 50. And <laughs> still working together. Yeah. Three decades in the works. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we, uh, for our listeners, we share manager and also a Canadian label. Yeah. We've shared the stage many That's times. That's right. And yeah. We're all, we're all pals. It's yeah, all, it's we all are. one big gang at this family. point. Yeah. That's true. Well, and I feel like through that uh, familial connection, uh, you were kind enough to be the very first guest on this podcast. It's good mems, man. Very first I one. that. And so, like, 75 episodes later. Has it been that many episodes? It's been a few, you yeah. You guys are busy. Yeah. Busy. Uh, well, enough about us. What's changed with you in two years? Um, well, I, yeah, the new record, new comic. Like, this is the first time I put out a comic, and I've spent so much time on it. Like, last year I did nothing. I just sat at home and made this comic. It took a few months to write and then applied that all to the music. And then I started drawing, and I was just literally sitting at home drawing. Every page takes, like, ten hours. We also share the same booking agent, I want to say. Did, were yeah. You, did you have to just turn down lots of shows? Because I'm sure the offers um, come in. You know, I actually don't know. Or Ashley would know that better. That? That's a good question. Do Ash? We, yeah. I would this say, is yeah, great. This is did, great. Yeah, interesting. You needed room to do it. And also, Wait yeah, a second. Should on. we get her a mic? We can yeah. get her a mic. Let's yeah. do it. No, we're getting her a mic. We're getting her a mic. <laughs> yeah, we're getting Yeah, get off your phone. Um... No, I, I think so. I mean, I would say that there's not often that in an artist's career you can just do nothing. Yeah. Well, right? you weren't doing nothing, but not I mean, I was shows. working behind the scenes. But yeah, like in terms of being out there, it was a great chance to grow my eyebrows. Did that. Oh, nice. Took a few months. Um, yeah, you did some did no makeup pictures. Did a bunch of no makeup stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was like left makeup off for a while. It was great to get in touch with my uh, real face again. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I didn't do anything. Did you get anxious time. by not playing shows? Or did you like it? I liked it for a while, but then I think I got a little too... Like, I got cabin fever. We live in a forested area. Bear problems. Literal cabin fever. You were in a yeah, cabin. Yeah, I was... Yeah, def- definitely. And I, I got really accustomed to, like, staying at home. And I was just like, I'm thankful for the job that I have. Because I don't know if I could do this every day. Yeah. But everything in moderation, right? Like, I, I started cooking a little bit. Hey. Learned out, learned how to do a few things in the kitchen. What's your specialty? Really, um... Vegan shepherd's pie. I started Ooh. cooking vegan. It's good. Nice. Are you veg- vegetarian? Well, I'm dabbling. I'm yeah, dabbling. I'm trying. Can't go in cold turkey. We are no. actually the pod. No uh, turkey. No turkey. <laughs> good work, Mike. <laughs> the whole pod is, is various stages of vegetarian. Is it? I'm oh, a month and a half in. Have you? Have you? Uh, I haven't touched. I've abstained. Really? I know. Well, at this point, I'm just trying to outlast my wife because she laughed at me when I said, "Oh, I'll never eat meat again." Can you imagine? Is this from watching What the Health still? Or no? Well, that's not, influenced a lot of people I know. I watched Okja on uh, with, with <laughs> that, that big Is that more of an influence than What the Health for you? It just yeah, not really an influence, but basically, Shane was going on about What the Health and yeah. Frank D'Angelo of all people. 
And then so he stopped. And then you said you were dabbling because Lauren's a vegetarian. Yeah. Yeah, Lauren's a vegetarian. So when I'm with her, I won't eat meat. <laughs> but when you're away, you go crazy? Half the time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're half you, turkey. Yeah. So do you find that she'll judge you if you eat meat? Um, she's not too judgmental. But I think she'll be a little disappointed. If, Interesting. So I, what I do is when we're on tour, I just send pictures. Every time I go to like a vegetarian restaurant yeah. or get, do the right thing, I take a picture. Do the, go, do the right thing. I, yeah, yeah, I send, it to, send her a picture. She'd be proud of me. So that's good. Interesting. Well, yeah. I think it's a good experiment for everybody in this day and age. I think we all know the environmental impact of meat and obviously yeah. the health impact of meat. So I think it's like a lot of people are trying. I think it's important. Yeah, and it's, it's also like obviously the right thing to do. And it's, it's, do it's, the right thing, yeah. yeah. like our friend Nick Rose was like, the thing with being vegetarian is like, yeah, it's obviously the right thing to do. It's like you can't, there's not much of like a argument on the other side. Right. But, it, other than that, it tastes really good. Yeah. Other than you know? like, I love Texas barbecue yeah, more than life I know, itself. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I mean, my parents are fully uh, plant based, and they've been plant based for a long time. So um, they've shown me how it can be done really easily, and I've been yeah easing my way into it because you can't go in when you're on tour and stuff, and you end up in Texas. Yeah, exactly. Live, staying across from a barbecue joint is like, um, <laughs> this is the day of the week I'm going to have to eat. You know? And you'll eat what's there. It is very hard. It, we were just in Miami, and it was very difficult to find things to eat, so it was just like living on smoothies and beer. Oh, <laughs> so for I was you, very that's healthy. crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. healthy and drunk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's actually yeah. really my nickname. <laughs> Not really. I wish that the healthy part was in that nickname. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, let's get to the comics and stuff. Let's talk about it. Well, here's the thing. I read uh, the first three last night. Did you? I did. So awesome. I was, was I allowed to? I don't know. You Somebody, are more I was than allowed them. to, yeah. Well, now I mean, I the want third the one's rest. not out yet, but you're, you're ahead of the curve. Do you, are the other ones, like, printed and done? No, I deliver the comic a month before they come out, and I'm, I just delivered four, issue four. I'm finishing five and six. Six is a double issue, so it's, like... 55 pages of content I'm still coloring 30 pages but most of it's done okay cool well I yeah. really really like it really thank yeah, you yeah absolutely like I really appreciate like you, world you building and I don't read comics but I'm, I love like uh, long before it was a show Game of Thrones like yeah. George R. R. Martin fantasy like sort oh, of world cool, building cool. Yeah. in general yeah and sci-fi and well, sort of interesting because I when I was researching for the project I read a lot of books and watched a lot of tutorials and webinars and stuff and one of the most uh influential books I think that I read was called Writing for Comics by Alan Moore. And Alan Moore, he wrote Watchmen. He's like a yeah. very iconic writer in the comic world, outside of the comic world too. And in this book, he basically said like, before you create your plot line, you build the world. You understand the government of this world, the weather, what, what it's like, what the people are like, what they wear, what the commercials are like. Build your world inside and out and then pick your wormhole in time through this world in which your plot occurs and then everything falls into place. So... I had this base idea for the story, and then before I continued with that, I made maps and created everything. And so the world is like this very present being in the whole story, even though it doesn't necessarily talk about it every step of the way. There's things that exist in this world that are never brought up in the comics. So I, I made the Instagram world. It's called Skin and Earth World on Instagram. Oh, I know. And you've checked it out. Well, I immediately like, so I'm reading the first comic, and then at the back end, it's like, check out. Or maybe it was in the second yeah, one. Yeah, like, it check was out in the, the second Insta. one. So then cool, I'm on the Insta yeah. and I'm like hitting the tags and I'm like, Yeah, you can Man, explore it. Yeah. The, the intricacy, I just really appreciated how much you could get involved. And it was yes. the first time I saw the map yeah. of the world. And yeah, and that was the, awesome. one of the maps that I made when I was creating the world. And I'm like, I need to put these somewhere. So if, if you've never touched the comic or heard the music, at least you can still interact with the world and experience things. And I'll hide clips and, and Easter eggs all throughout that world. Yeah, well, when we talked uh, the first time, you know, we talked a lot about you traveling uh, as a kid and all that and being really into video games. Have you always been into comics? Yeah, in different capacities. I, I started getting into comics from, like, Farside and Herman and, like, oh, like the Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and I actually had the big graphic novels of those, and uh, I loved how easy it was to convey emotion and uh, an intention with, like, just a few lines, right? It's very simple. And then uh, I got into more sci-fi stuff like Space Adventures and Magnus Robot Fighter and Barbarella and then Wonder Woman. And then I got into indie comics. And that was when I really started to understand the power of comics because this medium is uh, at the, f I think it's one of the most progressive mediums that exists because like you can talk about issues that matter and not feel like you're hitting somebody over the head with it, right? Like most of the comics I read have like an important social message integrated into the story. I remember I was on a, I was watching a panel by one of my favorite writers, G. Willow Wilson. She writes Miss Marvel and it's a really, really great comic series for young girls. I think there's yeah, Brie like, Larson's going to be in the new movie, isn't she? Uh, she's Cap Captain, she's Marvel. Captain Marvel. Yeah, right. so Miss Marvel is like Kamala Khan. She's this little um, Pakistani superhero, basically. Oh, cool. And it's she lives in New Jersey, and it talks about the dynamic of being like uh, an outcast in school and then finding out you have like abilities. It's just very good. But um, it's she, she was talking about that in that panel as well. It was on, at Comic-Con last year. How you can 
it, it is a platform to talk about things that matter to you um, and things that are important and things that you want to see change in and work it into your story. Yeah, I think well, science fiction in general has always been kind of this like um, Trojan horse to yeah, social issues. So for it's sure. like exactly. oh, it takes place a thousand yeah. years in the future, but really we're talking you're, you're, about you're things that affect yeah. us today. Yeah, there's a lot of commentary. Issues. Yeah. Um, so I guess functionally, like, I mean, you guys both obviously write records, write music. When you set out to do something like Skin and Earth, is it comic first and then I'm going to write music to, to support the comic? It was the storyline first, the like very simple sketch idea of the story and then brought that. I had to divide it divided in 12 parts. It was like the intro, the romance, the fall, the, you know, whatever. I had it like named for the parts of the story arc that they were, and then started to fill the gaps with songs. Um, and I had like three or four songs for each gap, and I ended up writing like 55 songs or 60 songs or something. Wow. Um, and picked the best ones for each gap in the story. So like track listing, you know, we deliberate over track listing all the time. There was no deliberation here. It was like, this is the way it's going to roll out, because this is the story. And so like, if it's going to be a song for a certain point in, uh, in the comic, it's like lyrically it needs to sit somewhere like thematically. Would yeah. you maybe take words that you had for something oh, yeah. else and then apply it to something melodically that you're like, oh, that piece of music's better, yeah. so it needs to move up here. Yeah, it was all symbiotic all throughout the process. So, like, this, the basic idea for the story was there and then started filling the gaps with songs, and then the songs would inspire visuals that would work their way into the comic and lyrics that would work their way into the dialogue. And then I remember, like, take Skydiving, for example, the first song. Um, that started with literally an image of them skydiving at the beginning because it was sort of before I had created the apocalyptic world where you can't really skydive. There's no airplanes. So... Uh, <laughs> They were like skydiving at the beginning. I was like, oh, I need a song about skydiving that represents romance, sex, or whatever it may be. Because um, it's sort, sort of like that was the homage to romance comics. I collected romance comics for a long time. It's They're quite misogynistic, actually, but the visuals are really good. Like Rory Lichtenstein, they worked their way into his pop art and stuff. So it's been influential in my aesthetic when I do art. And uh, so I wanted like a romantic song, and I was like, oh, I'll write a song about skydiving. And then when I went to go like start writing that part of the story in about skydiving. This is way too obvious. So scrapped the whole skydiving idea and wrote something completely different. But it all kind of just evolved as it went, uh, one thing bouncing off the other. As a songwriter, was it helpful that you had this sort of other narrative to sort of lean on instead of... Because I find when you get inside your head, you're like, well, that one doesn't make sense logically to mm -hmm. the story that actually happened. But when you're writing for a grander story that is clearly outside yeah. of your personal experience. Yeah. It can actually be liberating because you're not being as hard on yourself. A hundred percent. Like, I, I think part of the reason, full disclosure, that I wanted to do the project at the beginning was like, I've always worked with the same people. Um, people that have, you know, Tog Salter. I've done tons of music with him in the past. Um, we know each other really well. We've had hours of countless conversations about our deep personal issues and whatever we're experiencing. So going into a writing session, you're laying it on the table with someone you know and who knows you. But I, I knew I wanted to start bringing in new influences and working with new people. And I, I, But I, it scared me, the idea of going in and talk, like laying it all on the table with someone I didn't know. So I was like, okay, if I have this story in mind, at least, like, A, I'll have a direction immediately as soon as I go in. I'll be like, this is the part of the story where this happens and this is the mood it needs to take on and this is about her, not me. Meanwhile, I'm writing about myself. You're clearly psychoanalyzing you. Yeah, yeah this suddenly, bullshit story. No, exactly. no, that's what it is. I was like, I don't really feel like doctor filling myself today, so I'm going to like... Uh, Put it through that lens. Shunt it yeah. through this character, yeah. And it was really helpful in terms of... Um, having a clear direction in a session. Because you can spend, I don't know, when you're when you're writing music, how long do you spend figuring out what you're going to write about? In a, yeah, a long time. A while. Yeah, too long. Yeah, it's like you kind of walk around a bunch of topics and what people are talking about. And it was good because, <laughs> I mean, what we... I think as writers and artists, it, it sucks to a degree writing about... Um, you're, you're kind of forced to write about what people think you're experiencing at that very time. Um, so if I were to write an angry song or... Um, you know, a, a like, song like Savage without the story around it, people would be like, oh, well, what's happening with your marriage then? Like, yeah. is your marriage screwed up? And then people would challenge that. Um, or, you know, 
people just automatically want to associate it with your life at that very minute. And I think that it's frustrating. So it sort of like has backed me into a corner in the past where I feel like I have to only write about what people think they know about me. Or pull punches on things you maybe want to express because it's almost, sure they're going to perceive it as super personal. Exactly. That's right. how people want to see it. And uh, so I think there are always been a few topics that I've never felt free to talk about because I didn't want people to just think like directly associate that to what I was experiencing at that time. But we are multifaceted people. I've never, I've, I've experienced anger. I've experienced heartbreak and these are all things I understand. So um, yeah, I was able to write about things that I never was able to write about through this character who ultimately is me in another dimension. Well, this is what I was going to say. So, but ultimately you are writing about facets of yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. is the character you, or are you trying to disconnect and be like, no, no, that's somebody else. But really like, is it coming? Yeah, from she's, you? she's for sure. Like the way, she responds to things like I do. Like I, I write her based on my personality and how, you know, it's me raising the apocalypse. So she's maybe like rougher around the edges. And, sure. Um, but she's like, she is me in another world and it, she's become, and I brought her to life in some capacity with the hair, you know, and the way that she dresses. Um, so yeah, I think she's, I think when people read the story, they, they'll get to know me a little bit just because of the way I would respond to things. So like, yeah, like in the comic, you know, the way that she interacts with Priest, yeah. you know, it's like that's how you could see yourself. She's kind of goofy and doesn't take herself seriously, but she's also like very emotional and connected and yeah. and flawed. Like she's got issues, but she like means well at the end of the day. And I think the bulk of the story, she's just looking for like self-worth and looking for hope in this place that's devoid of it, you know? Yeah. I, I think like concept albums or big projects like multifaceted ones with a comic and an album that correlates and then, you know, songs match up with certain comics. That can be like a big undertaking. It can also be sort of intimidating. It can be a challenge. It can be sort of like risky because people are like, oh, a concept album. When you set out to do this, was there any trepidation in like, maybe this is not what people would expect from me. It's too big a project. Or does that, do you see that challenge as like a positive? Like, I like the idea of taking on something that is very big. I think it was more that. Um, I knew it was going to be a big challenging project. I also, I think at the beginning, it's something I've always wanted to do, but I also didn't know how to how I was going to do it. And I had all these ideas of how I could maybe shortcut it <laughs> initially. Like I was like, okay, maybe it'll be like 20 pages. <laughs> and then the story grew into something that was a lot bigger than that. You can't tell in 20 pages. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll find someone to do the art. I'm like, well, I don't have money to pay someone to do the art and don't have the time. I have a vision already. So maybe I'll find someone to draw, to write it. Cause I'd never written a book, let alone a comic and, and understanding pacing and, and dialogue and all those kind of things are Did you have an challenging. editor? No, oh, I wow. did everything. I lettered and everything. So I, I read a bunch of books as much as I could and then actually um, decided to reach out to Brian K. Vaughan, who I'm a huge fan of. He's a, an amazing comic book writer. He wrote Saga and Why the Last Man, which are both amazing titles. Uh, he's now writing for TV, Elijah's and producing. He, he, wrote on, he wrote and produced Lost a couple of seasons. Oh, very cool. So he's a... I'm a huge fan of him. And we were going back and forth a little bit online before he disappeared from online. He disappeared. Oh, wow. Yeah, he left his social presence behind. But um, he's that's what he's writers do. They're crazy. Yeah. yeah, 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 you know. Um, but I think he's a genius. And I was going back and forth with him a little bit. And then I finally popped the question. And he's like, yo, my, my wife will kill me if I take on another project. But, like, I think you can do it. He's like, I, you're a writer already. I think you're capable of this. And because he believed in me, I was like, I guess I got to do it. You know, Brian K. Vaughn told me to do this thing. <laughs> and uh, and then he gave me a few tips on how he panels up pages because, I mean, people have different styles. His style is usually five, five to six panels a page, 12 speech bubbles, not more than two or three lines of dialogue <clears throat> per, per speech bubble. So I took those tips and just kind of went for it and, and winged it. And, you know. Here's a question. This is more of an industry biz question. Maybe Ash can talk to it. When you tell the label you're delivering... This is what I was kind of getting at, the pushback thing. Yeah, well, like, was... How did the label react? Because you're with Warner Music in Canada and Universal... No, you know, you Warner Music in the States and Can Canada, you're with Universal. Yeah. Were they confused by it? Were they like, this is not a good marketing angle? Uh, in, in my defense, I will say... Oh, well, she hasn't even spoken <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> <laughs> She does I didn't sort of tell have them yet. the answer, though. Yeah, okay, go. I didn't yeah. tell them at first. Oh. I didn't tell anybody. So you just delivered music? Yeah, only delivered music. So do you think these are jams or not? That's all the Exactly. Only, and so when, when there is... And you can speak on this more, too, when, like... But basically, once there was a few songs people were excited about, and I was like, this is actually a concept record. I think they've been so supportive and um, welcoming of the grander scheme because it creates all different avenues of interest that have been fun to explore. And 
as much as the you know both pieces of art stand on their own when you're used to artists coming in every day with promoting the same you know the same one song one single one whatever if you can come in before the record's out and say you know, physically put a book down in front of them and they look at it because you have to tell them three or four times that you actually did it all. Yeah. And that's what's crazy. And then when they're sitting beside you and they look at it and they're like thinking about how big probably couldn't do that because it's yeah. really like impressive to look at it. It gives them so much more to talk about and to kind of dive in and feel like they uh, are getting so much more out of the project, more out of you because it's like right there. Yeah. It's just content. And that's what I think labels want now. And, and everyone in the and industry for that matter. And original content, too. Because everybody can make a goofy video sure, or something like that. Sure, sure. And I think, and, and actually I remember we had a big kind of label-wide meeting down in the States. Everyone was there and I was presenting the project. And we had literally everyone from the team there. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was just like... Set that up for a second, though. Do you present it personally? Do you stand in a boardroom in front of a bunch yeah. of, like, label people and you have, like, your drawings and you have yeah. your vision? And so you literally present it like Don Draper and Mad Men. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish I was that cool, but um, <laughs> there was, like, a booklet printed out ahead of time with some image imagery in it and some of the story and some of the rollout pre-planned. But I basically talk about the, the story and I think it was just, it was cool because everyone was excited about the fact that there was more to it and it's just an interesting new approach to releasing music and there and one of the things that they said was it's um it's not it, you know when people do things like this sometimes it can be perceived as gimmicky or like um kind of like a stunt sure when it's just something you're disconnected to and it's perceived as a way to just make money or a reason for people to listen to the whole record but it's something i've always loved and i did all of it so, so you're known as a bona fide nerd so, uh, so it's all in line <laughs> with your branding. Woman. Nerd woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in reading, like, the three that I read, like, they, they stand alone. And I guess that's sort of a fascinating thing because, in the, you know, you make music and your fans have connected with your music, but also other facets of your personality. Did you make the record, I mean, obviously as a companion piece to the comics, but are you cognizant of the fact that it's like, well, there's people that are going to just want to consume the music. For sure. And there's going to be people, some people that maybe just want to consume the comic. Yeah. How cognizant were you of that when you were creating both? Like, do they need to stand on their own in your mind? It developed into into that. I think initially the comic was just going to be a sort of companion piece that inspired the content of the music and came out with maybe in the booklet, there's like a little comic. And then the story started getting bigger and bigger and more important to me. And, and then I was um, putting more emphasis on making the comic something that was decent. Because I'm a fan of comics. My bar is really high. My work pales in comparison to the things that I read. But um, I was like, at least... I might as well give it the best shot that it has. And then as the music started to get really great and the comedy started to get great, I put more emphasis on making them be able to stand on their own and then just become that much better when they're put together. And and now it's like you could pretty much read the comic and not ever know there was music and vice versa. Hmm. Will the videos end up telling the full story? Yeah. Yeah, all the videos bring the story to life in some capacity, especially the first single, it's Giants. Mm -hmm. And that's actually... Later in the comic series. Five. I know. Yeah, so it was like bringing the story to life without giving that part of the story away was kind of challenging. But then all the other videos, yeah, whether it's like an in-world scene or if it's a reference to the comic or showing the comic semi-animated or ripping it out from the comics, it all, it all brings it to life in some capacity. I have another thing that we were going to sort of ask about is just as far as like the process of music and how you've done things before. You talked about working with the same people before, but co-writes. Like, did you do co-writes with these songs? And then what does that look like functionally when you're like, you're going for someone that's ready to do a normal co-write. And you're yeah. like, no, no, no. Like, this is the deal. It made everything so much more fun. It did really it? did. Like, immediately established. Because I, I actually was touching on this earlier and I forgot to go into it because I tangented. But <laughs> is that a word? I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, it made every session really fun. I was able to go in with the perfect stranger and like emerge with a good friend. And it was really exciting. I made a lot of, I met a lot of amazing, creative, talented people and we made great music. Um, because I would go in and say, this is my story. These are the gaps I need to fill. Like, do any of these speak to you and things you're dealing with in your life? Like, what can we talk about? And then would show them some of the imagery that I was working on. And, and, and it was just an interesting new thing to bring into a session for people who essentially do this every day. Every day, like they're with a new person in a session deliberating about what you're going to write about. And then you end up writing something that maybe you're disconnected to. But they all felt really involved. And um, a couple of them were so awesome. Like, uh, Corin Roddick from Purity Ring, he's on the record. We d we had a song. Alan Wilkes of Big Data, we have a song on the record. My friend Josh Dunn played on a couple songs. Everyone just really wanted to be part of it. And uh, that yeah, good stuff came out of it. Did, does this uh, experience make you want to do 
another grand thing or whatever your next project is or are you like that was so much work because I just think about like writing one song and it kind of exhausts me <laughs> just thinking about just it just thinking about it well, that's, that was one of the things that like as I was looking at the Instagram of the world and then it's like you're tagging certain things and certain things unlock I was just thinking about the sheer sort of like uh, magnitude of the work yeah. I was just like it's just such a big undertaking yeah there are 20 Instagram accounts attached to that and I run all of them yeah. oh my god <laughs> honestly I went down There's the wormhole like, last lists. night yeah I live in a world of lists yeah but um no, it's awesome. It's super fulfilling and it's a lot of work, but I, I do and I love it and I love every minute of it. And I think that's how you know you um, you like what you're working on. And I, you know what I also love about it is, I don't know, like with music, say, you, you're repeatedly creating and always making records and trying to challenge yourself there. But does it ever get frustrating always doing the same art form? And yeah, that's why I have this it podcast. Up. It's fun, it's fun exactly. uh, to diversify a little bit. Exactly. And, and one thing energizes the other thing. And, you, then, exactly. and, you, and it also... Uh, lets you figure out what you like and what gives you energy. Uh-huh, and, and, 100%. Yeah, and I feel like if you're onto an idea that you're excited about, you have endless energy. And if this, yeah. and if you're feeling like an idea has been done a hundred times before, yeah. then you get tired from it and you want to take and a you want to try something else, yeah. yeah. And get to the next thing. Because, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a muscle, a creative muscle, and you can only work one side of it so many times before you have to work another side of it. And that lends to the other, and it makes the whole muscle stronger as it is. And I think now that I've started doing this, when I get tired of music, I work on drawing. And then when I'm tired of drawing, I'll work on a remix. And when I'm tired of that, I'll write the more story arc. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a constant, yeah. like, whirlwind of creativity. Like, it's this floodgate that's never going to close now, you know? Yeah. I've also seen Max's comics, and it's just drawings of boobies on napkins. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you dicks. tell him my secret? Sorry! They're really nice. <laughs> I think that eventually you'll get somewhere with it. Did you see that Netflix show, Who Drew the Dick? The, the, uh... <laughs> no. What is that? It's a Netflix... Uh... Well, Master Dan shaking his head <laughs> adamantly. It's exactly. not out yet. It's a trailer, and basically it's like a Netflix original series that looks and sounds like how to make... Uh, making a murderer. Like, so it has that, but it's about a high school student who drew a dick. And there's, like, all these, like, interviews with the staff. They're trying to get students. down to the bottom but of it, it. But, like, the trailer look, like, looks and sounds like making a murder. That's so good. That and and it's good. hashtag who drew the dick. <laughs> wow. It's called I, American Crime or, or something ridiculous. Like I that. sent Ashley hand-drawn pictures of dicks. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like, wait, like, how do you send them? Um, you know how there's, like, you. a... Yeah, you have one on your... Maybe like we can, I know we have some signs, uh, some <laughs> posters and stuff. Maybe we can just get Perfect. a signed uh, yeah, I love, dick. I love that it. would be hilarious. It's very relevant <laughs> to the project. <laughs> are we giving these signed things out after or before they listen? People that are listening right now. After. after. So if you're a listening... Hand-drawn light stick. You, you, get get hand, you will yeah. get An original sign- edition. Yeah. You'll get signed skin and earth stuff, but you could also get an original uh, hand-drawn dick from the lights. <laughs> this is good. This is great this stuff. This is a good promo. People listen to this. I know. And, and maybe uh, some of Max's hand-drawn boobies yeah. on an app. There we go. There we go. Done and done. Yeah, hashtag all this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag who drew the dick. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, okay, let's wrap this up. Okay, well, we're going to ask one more life question then okay. and sort of like the minutia of how you do your work. So the last time we talked, we talked about touring uh, as being a mother and having a family. A very a new mother. It was, how old How How's Rockin? Honestly, like last time, when we did that podcast last time, she was probably like six months old or something. Yeah, yeah. it was like fresh. It was crazy, yeah. So two years has passed. Has it gotten easier as Rocket has gotten older? It, yeah. It has. So. Yeah, it actually has. She's... A lot less dependent and she's so smart and super inspiring. And I think as she develops her tastes, I can understand how to accommodate her more because she is her own person. And I'm able to go away and do things on my own. I actually have never had more ownership over my own life than I have, than I do have now. And I think that she's fed into that as well. So yeah, it's definitely gotten easier uh, and more fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. Course. And all the best. That's fun. You get on that Thank plane to Vegas. Wait, <laughs> yeah. you got something to say? No, that's all I got. This is all great. Right. Well, Thank you, you Thanks flight. for having me on. Thank you for coming back. And hopefully, in another 74 episodes yeah. or whatever it is. Ash, should we miss then. anything? Any talking points as, as the manager? Well, I was going to say when you were bringing up the, uh, the Instagram world and having 20 accounts, yeah. that we almost had to use your phone numbers to make accounts. Oh, you, yeah. <laughs> you, you were yeah, asking like to tap yours. Yeah, me. yeah like, we're in the van going to Coachella and she used Because to make email already. address, yeah, yeah I used all yours. Contact. Yeah, and then yeah. I was just like, guys, might need to dip into yeah. your phones Every for five, you need a, a fresh number. They're like, you've made too many accounts on this number. <laughs> I would have sacrificed for the cause. You know what? I might call you up for that. All right, deal. Well, I was last night, as I was going like through Instagram, my wife was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm in Madison Oasis. Leave me alone. Yes. Yeah, so it's good stuff. more to come. Um, I'll be unlocking new things next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Thank you. 
Welcome to the desserts. We are joined by our pop culture aficionado, papa culture aficionado, Shane Christian Cunningham. Shane, what do you got for us? Okay, so as you guys know, last week there was a little bit of a controversy with a uh, disgruntled fan, or not a fan of me, the, uh, <laughs> you know, this Hunter underscore YWG said I wasn't a gentleman. Not that you remember the screen name or anything. No. <laughs> well, I went to add them under our Mike on Much account, under my own account. and uh, What any our, new, our, normal person does under the circumstances. Our Champagne Boys account, too, and she wouldn't accept the and we know it's request. a she for sure? I think so. It's a, it looked like a picture of a girl. Anyway, we told the story. The pod was released, and there was an outpouring of, <laughs> like, from our own fans. Of support for you? Yeah, they kind of took to, what, what's that called? iTunes. Re- uh, reviews. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. iTunes reviews. And uh, I'll read a couple right now. Oh, well, I, yeah, go for it. Alicia de Césaire, I'm assuming I'm saying that right. She said in the subject, just Shane. And she said, the beginning and end of the pod are my favorite parts. Then oh Mag God. Murphy said, subject. A little hurtful Sh- to me, but go on. Shane is, <laughs> says, Shane is hilarious. I've referred a dozen people to this pod on the sole grounds of the Vanessa G encounter. It's laugh out loud stories on the dessert every time. Can't wait for Papa Culture baby tales. Keep it up, guys. Vanessa G, the former uh, Bachelor. Yes, that's a great story. Yeah. Eddie Delisepe. So, you know, that made me feel good. The lesson there is when you desperately pander, people will end up writing comments. <laughs> it's true. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's what I've learned. The squeaky wheel gets the comments. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? You're great. You know we think you're great. We think you're a gentleman. Thank yeah. you. We know the real Shane. Yeah, you overcompensating again, Max? <laughs> <laughs> I never do that. So, you know, I've been in total gentleman mode, and obviously with all of this— <laughs> what, Why is that funny? Uh, you know, with all this Harvey Weinstein stuff going around— I think we should all be extra gentlemanly. You know, women have had a tough goal of it this last little bit. <laughs> Since the yeah, beginning of time. Yes, yeah, centuries. Yeah. And my sister, uh, you know, is no different. She had a man in Vegas kind of pee on her bed. <laughs> and uh, he lit up a smoke and wouldn't leave the room and he was smoking in the room. These days, what's ruder? <laughs> <laughs> so, as you guys can see, but the listeners can't, Tiffany, my sister, is here. Yeah, this is exciting. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. <laughs> this is a natural. Thank you for coming on, coming all the way from Hamilton, Tiff. It's good to see you. And so she's she's newly single, and I think my goal here is to kind of find her a man through the pod. A gentleman. Yes. We hope. You guys are familiar with the Howard Stern Show. Yeah. A big inspiration for me is Fred from the Howard Stern Show. He went on a contest called Dial-A-Date that Howard was running <laughs> and met his wife of 30 years from that joke contest so people who think this maybe is a joke or a gimmick i actually think we could find tiff love of my life yes <laughs> i love this this is a this is a we've never done this on the dessert before so um i know i do like this too because uh dating can be very hard like tiff's 37 years old she just had her birthday happy birthday thank you but she has no kids she's never been married when did you have your first beer at 35. 35, she had her first beer. You know, Tiff and I didn't date growing up. Like, we didn't date in high school or anything. So, uh, you know, she's she has a low count of guys she's been with. You know, which <laughs> some guys think that's re- reassuring. I kind of like that. She's very healthy. She's very good with her money. She owns a condo. She uh, owns a car that she bought. So she's very, uh, she's a good catch. Responsible adult. Great job. Adult. You have things. You Like, that's amazing. A lot of people don't have things. And when we were growing up, like, uh, Tiff was raised kind of as the, the guy in our house. So, like, she's uh, been in the military. She has a black belt in karate. I think I knew that, actually. Yeah. And so, okay. She's worked at Stelco. She, like, she's, like. She's a handy person. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so, okay. So, just so we know what's up. So, you had this Vegas experience with this guy who you thought was a gentleman. Turns out he's not so much of a gentleman. And you're like, all right, it's over. Yes. Some version of that. How yes. long did you know him before you went on vacation with him? I think maybe almost two months, but at the month mark, everything was going all right. Uh, then I stayed over a few times and just a few things started bothering me. Um, okay. And then when did things start going bad on this trip? Well, they were bad before the trip. Yeah, you know that old expression, when, when your relationship's uh, <laughs> on, the rocks. on the rocks, you just go to Vegas <laughs> and get wasted. Yeah. <laughs> He forgot his wallet also right on this trip yes. and lost his passport while on the trip. And oh, the credit no. cards fell out, yes, of mm-hmm. the wallet. That'll trick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you wanted to go to a hockey game with him. You're all excited about it. Yes. We went to the concierge, said, uh, 
he, he was under the impression you get them for $20. Mm-hmm. Hockey uh, tickets, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I said, you know what? You just gave me uh, triple shots of whiskey, and I'm totally <laughs> drunk right now because that's another thing that happened. I'm not a big drinker. And when we got there, he gave me two triple whiskeys with Pepsi. So I didn't realize I was drinking that much. So I couldn't walk and I got kicked out of a uh, restaurant. For being too drunk. Yes. Right. You are Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> you can be pretty drunk in Vegas to get kicked out of somewhere for being... Tiff doesn't drink, really. Okay, so that's another thing. It's not like she was just unruly. She was like passed out. Oh, okay. So this guy gets upset when he finds out the ticket price is actually $70. Yes, and we waited in line. It was about a mile long. Mm-hmm. Get there. And then he said, no, I'm not spending $70. We made our way back. I said, okay, you know what? I'm not feeling that great anyway. So we walked back. He's down talking me, saying I'm the worst person. I'm disorganized. Why didn't we get the tickets? Hurtful words, yeah. Coming from a guy who's lost his passport. and Yeah, you're disorganized? Yeah. Exactly. Not so, a gentleman. <laughs> so then we get back to the hotel, and then he grabs the bottle from Duty Free, goes down with the open bottle. And alcohol, then yeah. He comes back and says... In the middle of the night, after I heard the cops bring him up, he says, <laughs> "Okay." He says, "I just got talked the cops out of um, arresting myself and and some other people." Minorities. Yes, yeah. exactly. All right. So he's trying to pr- proposition himself like he's a bit of a hero at this point. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> About three hours later, later I wake up to a, a sound and yelled, "Are you peeing on my bed?" And uh, Yes, he was. Had he revealed himself to be a reckless urinator before this incident? Because yeah. no. some, yeah, some people do that. You know what? Some heroes should put down plastic sheets. My mom's old <laughs> boyfriend did this. <laughs> do you remember Pat? Yeah, my mom also had a boyfriend who was a peed the bed also. Yeah. No, he, he opened her, her bedroom door, peed. On the floor, then, yeah. And then went back to bed. Yeah, he didn't make it to the bed, ma'am. All right, okay. but point, point is, I guess, this guy wasn't the catch that he seemed in the beginning because you were really liking this person in the beginning. How, how did you meet him? This was Plenty of Fish. Okay, so you were on like a dating site, Plenty yes. of Fish. Do you use Tinder and all that stuff? Yes. Okay, so if in fact we are going to find a, a new man for Tiff, all you need to know is that uh, you don't have a lot to, uh, you're not following a real winner. So ultimately, you're going to look great coming in. Yeah, that's true. You just have to pee in a toilet, I think, and you're already <laughs> an improvement over the last fella. Okay, but so so Tiff's problem, I find, because I was using her uh, Tinder for her. I was kind of like ghosting her. I remember this, yeah. yeah. The huge thing at one point was Tiff was getting very sad that no men were taking her out to restaurants. Oh, so yeah. I get hell-bent on finding her a man who's actually going to take her to a restaurant and treat her nicely. for it. Yeah. Yeah. This was the first date I had been on, this sounds sad, where a guy had taken me out uh, to a restaurant at, 30, at 36. Well, yeah. you know what? It's a testament to you sometimes you just got to, you know, say this is my favorite spot. Take me there. Because Tiff's very passive, right? Mm-hmm. So you can kind of walk all over. I have no ex- low expectations, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so the date, Messer. <laughs> so he just comes and he says, you know, I couldn't stop laughing at that first line. You just so got me. Just before we came here, I was looking at our texts. Again, and it was just the best line ever. And what was that line? I, I, I had a lot of gems in that. I was proud. I was almost jealous I wasn't on Tinder at that moment. Yeah. And what did you say to that? I said, I know. It just, uh, just came to I'm me. just a funny girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I told Tiff, I was like, before you go on this date, just let so you know, you have a very quick wit, okay? So, like, study the notes and, like, try to stay in line with this line of humor. Were you able to do that? Did, yeah. you, did you see the text oh, messages? you got to hear this. Yeah, I did have to review them beforehand just so I knew what he was talking about. Yeah. Uh, so during the, <laughs> during the dinner, he says, oh, I need to go put more money in the parking meter, right? So it's right behind Mulberry, that parking lot. Uh, so I give him some change. He didn't have any. He's getting the dinner anyway. So um, he's gone for half an hour. He got lost. He was down on Barton somewhere. No, no. Well, the police bring him back? So the food's waiting. <laughs> Starts pissing on your food. <laughs> <laughs> the food's waiting. I'm going, he's coming back, you know? And uh, so I called him. I give him direction, gave him directions back to the restaurant. So uh, so he, so he I just, just... I couldn't believe that happened. Like, it was just so funny. And, but, and was there no second date? No. Did he get a smooch at the end of the night? No. But he, he paid for the meal. 
Yes. Mission accomplished. And he set me up with another guy. Oh. That picked me up at my place, which was really that was. You the mean first literally time. though, right? Oh no, because you you no, guys always carry. Later you, that I night, see. he carried me to the bed. Whoa, <laughs> Tiff! <laughs> I'm the TMI guy here. <laughs> For some reason, <laughs> about eight guys have carried me to a bed. They t- <laughs> I gave the whole spiel. Oh, you're this innocent flower. What's going on? But I didn't do anything with them. They oh. just pick me up. The one guy Bit carried of a me tease. up. Two flights of very long stairs. Two flights of Two long flights. stairs. Right over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. After being in a hot tub out overlooking the... <laughs> These dates sound incredible now. <laughs> you couldn't get someone to buy you dinner. Now you're doing everything. It's like Fabio oh. taking you away. Yeah. But no, nothing ever happened. But uh, no, the guy... Why are you picked- winking at me? <laughs> the guy picked me up at, at home and went to Chicago style p- uh, pizza, which was also another favorite yeah, of mine. I set that dinner up. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so, Tiff, uh, are there any uh, what's what's on the wish list for for an, a good guy? Do you have anything in particular that you like or you don't like? Height. I that is excellent, Max. I do like height. Would you taller like, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, uh, Tiff might be embarrassed, but kind of like your her ideal man. I think Max. <laughs> I, I actually thought I was coming here. To, to get, get set up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I think basically she wants like you, but you're in a relationship. I'm in a relationship. Curly hair. Curly mm-hmm. hair, six feet tall, roughly. Voice of an angel. Yeah, the singer of a massively successful rock band. <laughs> yep. <laughs> My favorite band of all time. Do you remember when I gave you that hat? That yeah. Hamilton hat? Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, sense of humor is big. Yeah. Okay. Bigger than height, maybe, some might say. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> See, Mike's funny guy. <laughs> Um, okay, here's a question. What if they have a kid? That, would you be open to that? That could work. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Because you don't want children of your own, but you're willing to look after someone else's child. Yes. Okay. That's now, great. I wouldn't be right willing situation. to have a child if I really loved that person, but... You're opening the door to kids now. Wow. Well, I don't rule anything out. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know this. Yeah. Well, that's a good character trait for okay. the fellas listening. How, how do we uh, get people in touch? Tiff? Some questions are for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, uh, should we Instagram me? Wait, yeah. you want to say your Instagram handle? Let's give people our Instagram. Sure. Are okay. you? Pu- I, don't, I don't know it. So are you, you a public profile? I just I know it now. I just am new to Instagram for the last year. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> it's Tiffany Rose Cunningham. That's it? It sounds yes. like there's more, but no. <laughs> there's no underscores or anything. It's just at Tiffany Rose Cunningham. Yes, I was so lucky that that was available. Is that okay. your middle name, Rose? Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice name. TRC, baby. Um, I like that. Yeah. Maxie, so, yeah. <laughs> Break it up, you two. <laughs> Max, you're in a relationship. Know, Calm down. Uh, you know, Tip, your, uh, the way you look, how would you describe it? You're 5'7". Five, 5'8". Five, five, eight, wow. So you're tall. You're slender. Average. Average. Okay. You've got uh, kind of flowy, uh, frizzy hair. Not frizzy. That's a bad word. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool look. It's wavy. Yeah. Maybe we should post a photo of Tiff on our Instagram. I'm not saying I guess that's the easiest way to describe it. Growing up, you two, how much do do people say that you guys looked alike? Mm, Just we have the same skin tone and like, uh, I guess, eyes eyes, are light. Yeah. You look, another thing you do, I just. Discover this for myself. Uh, you hug the same way because I saw Tiff out in the parking lot. And Shane, you have a very signature one handed hug. Non committal. We have the same legs. I've always yes. really held on to that. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully all this stuff turns on some guys out there. <laughs> I hear you have the same legs as your bro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a question. So Shane's been doing this pod now with us for 79 something episodes, 78 episodes. Uh, what do you and your family think of Shane's uh, desserts? Well, you know what? Um, I have not heard this, and I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Tip doesn't listen. Thanks for I the downloads. I have not heard it. You've never heard the pot? Not, not heard the dessert. All right. Well, anything else, Tiff? This whole segment's a bit of a bust, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be great. I'm sorry. We came here with a purpose. Yeah. You know, to find, yeah. Uh, hey, it's only a bust if, we, if, if, if someone doesn't reach out and you don't make a connection. So, Tiff, usually we like to end on some sort of. <laughs> Funny note that just cracks us up. 
this is your segment, so I'll leave that to you this uh, this week. I think that you Uh-oh. are the best person to talk about this and about what I want in a man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to clear it up, though. Nothing happened when I was carried to the bed. Sex-wise? Yes. All right. What about a smooch? No. Okay. Urine? <laughs> <laughs> No. That's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Tiffany Cunningham for coming on our show today. Tiffany Rose Cunningham. At Tiffany Rose Cunningham. Ow! That's <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany. Uh, you can find the Mike on Much podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Mike on Much. Please leave a comment and ratings in iTunes. It really helps the show grow. And also just tell your friends about it because uh, if you think you might have a you know, kindred pod friend, what the f***? My brain is turned off. <laughs> oh, honestly, I'm so fucking zonked right now. Anyway, just, you know, do the thing on the internet. Huge thanks to Jenna Gregory, who provides the artwork, and Tara Paquette, who puts it all together. Uh, also, Greg Stewart, Dan Carruthers, Justin Stockman, the whole damn gang. The Mike Much Podcast is produced by Max Kerman, and I am your host, Mike Veerman. See you next week if we don't die on the weekend. <laughs>